just a second. I'm seeing the live stream message. Okay. All right, so we are live. Got it. All right, so good evening, everybody. Listen, y'all. Technology tried to get us down, but we won. <laughs> we won. <laughs> that just means this podcast interview is going to be that much more better. I am so excited, you guys, on tonight to have with me, Ed. Listen, Ed, I don't even think y'all need to introduce you. You just need to introduce yourself. <laughs> Dante, thank you so much for your patience and working so hard to get me online. Uh, I'm Ed DeGange, and I'm the author of The Gift Best Given, a memoir. And it's a book that was published in May of 2020. And it's the story of my late adulthood search to find the identity of the woman who had placed me for adoption at the time of my birth. That is amazing. That is amazing. And so with that being such a personable story, um, has it been something that you always wanted to know and you just decided to wait till then? Or how did you come about? How did you come about to make that decision? Well, everybody is always surprised when I said, no, I didn't wait all my life thinking about, you know, when will I find out? When will I find out? Uh, I, I had a great childhood and a great upbringing, and I think there, there are two reasons for that. One is my birth mother uh, went to great lengths to make sure that I wound up where I should with the parents who I should. And the second part is I did wind up with those parents, and I, I went home at a day old from the hospital to parents who could could not have loved a natural born child any better than they loved me. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's a beautiful story. I'm always so intrigued when I hear people talk about that. I just love to hear their journey and how they got there and different things. Um, so did you have any expectations um, when you started on this journey? I had some, you know, and I, it's not fair to say that I never thought about who who my mother was. It is fair to say is I barely never thought about who my father might have been. But now and then I think, okay, who's my mother? And, you know, my, in my head, I thought, okay, she was a a high school girl who stayed out too late one night and, you know, came home with a, with a problem. And then probably, you know, given the era that it was, and this was back in 1948, you know, was maybe shipped off to an app someplace way away from home. And, you know, and then the baby was taken from her and she she returned home. But turned out that was not the story at all. Wow. That That's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, what I found out was my, and through a lot of research and a lot of mm-hmm. digging, but I had some advantages here. Uh, my adoption had been privately arranged. So it was not like it was all controlled by the foster care system or the courts. Uh, My birth mother fortunately was able to to make contact with somebody who was a a friend of my parents and knew they were looking to adopt a child. So it was privately arranged and therefore uh, rather than the paperwork around my adoption being totally sealed and unavailable to me, 
my birth parents kept a copy of the adoption decree when it was finalized. Oh, and wow. it had their names on it. It had their attorney's name and it had one name, which, yeah, I, I could only, um, I couldn't imagine it was anybody except my birth mother. So that sort of opened the door having that name. So I was, I was, I was way ahead of most people who go on yes, a like this. Much way ahead. Yeah. So how long did it actually take you to complete the entire process? Oh, it's from the time I started searching to the time the book came out uh, was about a little bit over three years. Okay, and yeah, you know, I would tell you that you know this it's not over. You know, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. There's always some something else to learn or something else to experience. Uh, this coming weekend or later this week, actually we're going to visit and spend the night with a cousin who I've never met. Awesome, I yeah. love it. And he was the first person in the family who I, who I made contact with. And you know, I, I sent him a letter explaining what I thought was the case. And, and he was kind of dubious. He called me back, you know, and he said, I only called you back because the letter was handwritten. And I didn't think wow. somebody, somebody running a scam would take that time. And, you know, and we talked at some length and he kept on saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll get in touch with the family and have them contact you back. And the more we talked, the more it was obvious. I now, I now knew more about the family than he did. But so by the end, we were, we were kind of, you know, we were kind of buds and he was, he was telling me a lot. And he eventually sent me a big envelope full of old photographs of my birth mother from the time she was probably three or four years old, right up until the time she she had her first child after she had gotten married, which which followed my birth by about seven years. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. That is amazing. So did you did you start this journey with the thought that you were going to write about it? Or was it just a journey that you just wanted to follow? It was a journey I wanted to follow, and it was just really an exercise in curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always say that had my original expectations of who my birth mother was been true, had she been the high school girl and had she mm -hmm. given up a baby and then, you know, and then gone about her everyday life. Yeah, I would have been happy to know that, but that's probably where the search would have ended. Mm -hmm. But as I searched, I found out that she was not a high school girl. She was 23 years old at the time that I was born. And I found out also that she had been a celebrity performer in the big ice skating spectaculars in the wow. 1940s and, and 1950s. And I, I was sort of the product of a summer romance. And <laughs> You know, so she she became unexpectedly pregnant, and I I firmly believe that my my birth father never knew of my existence. Wow, wow! So what made you what made you put it in a book? Well, I, it was just too much or too much and too good not to tell. <laughs> yeah. I my, love it. My first part was I just started telling the story of my search. Mm -hmm. And then the more I found out about my birth mother, you know, I was telling people this story and I had people saying, you really need to write a book. 
And I, yeah, I never really, I didn't expect number one to find a story. And number two, I never expected to write a book, but, but I started capturing these pieces. So the first part was, was solely about, well, I did this today, or I went here today and, mm -hmm. and I found out this today. But then the next part turned out to be what I found out about my mother, what she experienced prior to the time that I was, that she became pregnant and gave birth to me. And then also the, you know, the, the decision-making process that she went through in managing the pregnancy and then deciding to, you know, to surrender me for adoption. And given her, you know, given the fact that she, um, she had resources because of the work she was doing. She was mm -hmm. at, at the age of 18, her first professional contract, she was paid $100 a week, oh, including wow. room and including room and board. And this was in 1943. That was a lot of money back then. For an 18, for <laughs> yes. an 18 year old girl, you know, so she had the resources to do things right. And, you know, I, I just became more and more impressed with the way she managed the pregnancy and and how she did basic, almost totally in secret with the, with the exception of her eldest sister and her sister's husband. Mm -hmm. And, you know, basically just, she would make a Sunday call from the road to her parents saying, you know, I'm here, or I'm there. And really that call was coming from New York City, probably 15 miles between them. And, wow. you know, after she gave me up, you know, she went home, she recuperated and, and suddenly, you know, kind of reappeared at the doorstep and said, I'm, I'm going to take a break now. Wow. Wow. That is an amazing story. Yeah. She was a very, very strong and a very focused woman. And, you know, she, she knew what she wanted out of for me and out of her life. And I, you know, and I, I, I feel I truly benefited. I'm, you know, I'm exceptionally grateful for that. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. So how long have you been writing as an author? This was my first full-length book that I've written. Mm -hmm. I, I've now embarked upon a second, which is kind of a, a follow-up to this story. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I, I promised the fans of this book that, you know, I will write another one. And I've, I've been really struggling with it. I just it's just not going where I want to, but I, mm -hmm. I've got another thought now and I'm, I've started working on that. I think it will work better. And I, I think it will flow much better now. And I, I think will be a, an entertaining and an, an informative read. You know, prior to this book, I, yeah, I'm, I'm the kid who had his first article published in the high school yearbook. And, you know, and I've, I've written some articles for specialty journals. At one mm -hmm. time, I, I was involved with horses and we had a, a journal that, that supported that and they published some of my work. Um, I was a, I am an avid fly fisherman. I've oh. had my work, I've had my work there published as well. And, you know, right now, as I've been kind of wringing my hands over this this follow-up. I've written a couple of short stories. I'm just putting the, the final touches on them, which I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very pleased with. One's about both 5,500 words, the other one just a little bit over a thousand and, and two different things, but, but it's kept me. Kept you going. Kept me working on the skills. 
Yes, I love it. I love it. So now when when is the sequel expected to come out? Like, like I want to know. <laughs> See, I've made I've made the mistake once before saying, oh, the sequel will be out, you know, in the fall. And that was back in 2020. And obviously <laughs> that that did not happen. Uh, I would like to think there'd be something in in reasonable shape by the end of the year, and then maybe publication in in the first half of 2023. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yes. So do you think the second part will be the final or do you think it'll be a part three? Well, you know, my birth mother had a very, very interesting life. Uh, As I said, you know, she was involved with the big ice show spectaculars and she left home at the age of 17 and traveled alone across the country to begin her career. Uh, She, that would, was about a five year span until she gave birth to me. Mm-hmm. And and only a few months after she gave birth to me, she was back touring again. And the first document I actually ever found when I went looking on Ancestry was a visa application, which was dated about, oh, I don't know, eight months after my birth. And was for travel between Miami, Florida and Rio de Janeiro. Wow. And that's that was the one that got me really hooked on the story because at, yes. at that point, at that point, I didn't know what her occupation was. Mm-hmm. It, it listed her as an artista. It probably would have been easier if it said performer, but it, <laughs> it took some digging to translate that and to really come up with, come up with the facts of what her career was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I, the next piece of her career, I think goes from, her return to ice skating in the latter part of 1948, mm-hmm. up until her retirement in 1956. Oh wow! When she was uh, she was then pregnant with her first son by her new husband, who she married in 1955. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and I and I I'm in touch with that son. We 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 stay in pretty close contact, and and he's always said if it was if it wasn't for me referring to himself, he said, I think my mama would have skated until, you know, well into the 1960s. <laughs> and she very well might have. She was a very, very strong athletic woman. Very petite woman though. Mm-hmm. She, was only, she was five feet tall and less than a hundred pounds. Oh, wow. Perfect shape for ice skater. Oh, it was. Yeah, you know, I, I eventually met some people or made contact with some people who, who knew her from that era. And one of the, you know, one of the women described her as, you know, she was, she was light like a little fairy. Yeah, she's just a tiny woman. Oh, I love it. That is amazing. So can you share, like, what are some lessons that you have learned since you have self-published your first um, official full-length book and going on to the second one? Well, I think in so far as writing the book, it was, yeah, I, I say it all the time. If you have a story to tell, start writing it. You know, no matter what the format is, no matter what the the condition is, write it. Yeah, start writing, capture it, because you'll you'll forget more than than you remember if you don't mm-hmm. do that. Uh, eventually, you can take that raw material and and smooth it out yourself, and you know, get yourself a good edit, editor. I I can't say enough for that. You know, because they can take something that's terrible and make it good. They can yes. take something that's good and they can make it great. 
and they could make something out of it that maybe you never envisioned. And that was very much my experience. I, I had a, a stack of memoir and a stack of mom stories and, <laughs> and I, I thought they were two pieces and my editor managed to interweave them and it just turned into a beautiful flowing story. Um, if, if you have questions, mm-hmm. go, go ask them. Yes. You know? You know, because, and there are probably people out there who are, they're ready to tell you. You know, when I started digging and finding the people who, who might have known my mother, I just ran into one generous person after another. Everybody wow. was, was so happy to share and so happy to, to give whatever they had. And, you know, and I sort of learned this from my own experience because I, my adoption at home was never talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my adoptive parents, to the best of my knowledge, never said the word to me. And even though I figured it out at some point, I never asked about it. And when the book came out, I had a couple of cousins who called me. And, and I said that in the book. I said, you know, I didn't know until a certain point. And I had a couple of cousins who called me and said, oh, we knew. We could have told you, you know, but we were told not to say anything. And, you know, in the final piece of my puzzle, figuring out you know, how my, my adoption came to be, came through, a, through the oldest of my cousins who's now no longer alive. And, you know, we had never talked about it, but one day I, I just dialed the telephone and I said, Anne, what do you know about my adoption? And I sort of expected to hear a gasp and hear her fall on the floor. And she just answered matter of factly. She said, I don't know much, but I know two things. One was your mother was an ice skater. And number two was my mother went with your parents when they picked you up at the hospital. So, you know, that confirmed that at least I was chasing after the right person. Right, yes. The the ice skater. And, you know, and then a couple of weeks later, she called me back. She said, I thought of one more thing. She said, you were named after so-and-so. He was the one who arranged your adoption. Wow. And that's where the pieces on the adoption came together because... He was somebody that my birth mother's brother-in-law who, who helped shepherd her through this process would mm-hmm. have known. Mm-hmm. He was also a good friend of my adoptive parents. So, you know, if you think about it sort of as a stockbroker, somebody was yeah. selling on the other side, somebody was, you know, somebody was there buying. And he was the one in the middle. His name was Eddie Sens, and he was a very well-known uh, known in the in the movie community as a makeup mm-hmm. man and hairdresser mm-hmm. and both my adoptive father and and Charles who was my my birth mother's brother-in-law both had connections in the movie business wow that is amazing all of yeah. that working together that is amazing it's like it was already assigned and put together uh, now this story perfectly. is this story was one coincidence after another. I would make contact with somebody and they would tell me something that just fit right into the last piece. You know, it's a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love your story. It is beautiful in the making. Um, and I love to hear the, you know, the happily ever after ending ones, you know, for a lack of better words where you're able to find, you know, the information that you need and kind of have a little peace and a little closure at the same time? I do, I do. 
And so that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I love it. So tell everybody, where can they get a copy of your book at? Yeah, the book is The Gift Best Given, and it's available widely. You can purchase a copy from my website, and the website is www.digangiauthor.com, and Digangi is D-I-G-A-N-G-I. The book is available at, through any independent bookstore. Some have it on their shelves. All of them can order it on very short notice. Uh, it's available on all of your online retailers. And for those who, you know, who may not have the money or don't care to invest in another book, uh, it's available through most libraries, either on Hoopla or on Overdrive. And you can download the ebook there and read it. So it's, I've tried to get the book out there. It's in print and it's in ebook format. And, and it's a story that I was very anxious to tell once I, once I found out what the story was. <laughs> I love it. And thank you so much for sharing your story um, with the world. I think, it's a, I think it's a beautiful story. I do. And I know it's not finished yet, but I am so excited to learn um, about you and your story. I just, I just love it. I love family stories. Um, that just, you know, the searching, the uniting, the learning, you know, I love it. I yeah, it is a happy, it. it is a happily ever after story. No, not every adoption story is. And, you know, so I, I I'm pleased with this, but, you know, it's it just be aware there are a lot of folks out there who were adopted or given up children or have adopted children. And, you know, and I think a lot of the quiet ones have had great experiences, you know, mm -hmm. and others talk about it and they, they tell some not so great stories. Exactly. But this was a good one. This, I've, you know, kind of, I was I'm blessed. I'm glad yours was. Yes, I was absolutely well. blessed. You were absolutely blessed. And I'm so glad that you were. Well, um, so listen, you. you guys, make sure that you go and grab a copy of his book. I'm going to order me a copy because I want to read about the ice skater. <laughs> I just absolutely love how this story has come together. And I'm just, I'm just so excited for you in this journey that you're on and all of the information you're learning about yourself and your other side of the family. Um, I think it's a beautiful, I think it's so beautiful and I'm just glad you have that opportunity. So I cannot wait um, for you to finish part two. I definitely gonna be um, keeping my eye out on when that, when, when that comes. Matter of fact, if you don't mind, just shoot us an email when oh, you've you actually finished it. You and bet. we'll have to come back and do a follow-up just to see um, part two. Do you have a copy of your book with you that you can show us? I do. Awesome. Yeah. Look at that. Oh my gosh, your mama is so beautiful. If you have time for one more quick story. Yes. When I met my maternal half-brother for the first time, he had a great deal of trouble wrapping his head around the fact that his mother had had a child, he kept on saying, well, my mama would have told me that can't be. <laughs> and, you know, we, we eventually settled that it was, but he, we had visited with him. He was very open to visiting and he brought out some photograph albums and our mother was meticulous in, in documenting where she had been and who she was with. And yeah, and it was all in chronological order. So he started flipping pages and, and there were black and white snapshots of 1945 and 1946. And as he was about to turn the page, I said, you know, 
our mother was in San Francisco in August of 1947 with ice follies. That's where I was conceived. And he said, no, no, no. He, he and my daddy were always, she and my daddy were always together. I said, I don't think so. And when he flipped the page, every other photograph in that album was black and white. In the middle of that page was this photograph and it's labeled August, 1947, San Francisco, California. And he looked at it and he just shut the album up and put it away. And, you know, and I had brought a copy of the adoption decree with me afterwards and I showed it to him. And by then I knew it was the signature of his mother or my mother. And, and I showed it to him and I said, Ted, is that, you know, is that your mother's signature? And he looked at it and didn't really say anything. He just folded it up and I said, you can keep the copy. It really, you know, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It has no value. And later that week, you know, he called me and he said, well, I showed it to somebody, you know, somebody he trusted. And I said, well, you know, what did they say? And he said, well, they asked me if that's mama's signature. And I said, what did, you know, what did you say? And he said, well, I told them, yeah, that's mama's signature. And I said, okay, what did they say? And so he just looked at me and he said, if that's your mama's signature, it looks like you've got yourself a brother. <laughs> and he's been fine with it from that moment on. Wow, I love it. I love it. I'm sure he was rather startled, like, wait a minute, I'm the only child. <laughs> He, he was, he was, yeah, I was very sensitive that if I had found my mother still alive, mm -hmm. that I would have been very delicate in how I approached her. Oh, absolutely. I really didn't give that much thought to my brother and I should have, you know, so he just sort of heard one day that, hey, you know, you've got a brother looking for you. And that probably would have slowed me down too. Oh, yeah, quite naturally, because you're thinking, hold up, I am the only one. What are you talking yeah, about? <laughs> yeah, you know, and at that point, he was he was really the only member of, of you know, of that family, you know, satellite that was that was left. So, you know, the idea of somebody coming and entering was. Right. And yeah, he doesn't little... have anybody to verify it with, you know, right. that would, you know, yeah, yeah I understand. I so that, yeah, that was it was kind of an abrupt arrival, but we were good from there on in. I'm glad. I love that story. Like I like I am. You have me so intrigued about your mother's life, and you know I've always liked to watch the ice skating and how graceful they are. And I just I've always loved that, especially at the Olympics. I just I just like watching that. So I just I cannot wait. I'm definitely going to get me a copy of the book. I just you know I'm just very intrigued. She's very beautiful. I love she was you. a beautiful woman. Yes, yes she's very, I mean very you much picked so. the the best picture. Yeah. You know, to go on the cover. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, it was it was perfect because that confirmed the story. That that really just yes. That's it. Here's the story, and this proves it. I mean, and and they and they got that on that cover just perfectly. Um. So yeah, they did an amazing job. Kudos to you. Kudos yeah. to you for being able to pull this together. Well, That's thank awesome. you. Awesome. I I am just I am really so impressed. That is amazing. Yeah, it was a that wonderful journey. It was, it was a lot of work, but it was a, it was a fun journey and it remains so. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, Ed, thank you so much for joining us on the Get Your Right On podcast. 
I know we had some difficulties in the beginning, but listen, we got over those and we still had an amazing podcast. And so thank you so much for hanging in there. Thank you to all of you um, who have tuned in and will listen to this on the replay. Um, we are so grateful. And just to remind you guys, we are hosting the Relentless Book Fair Saturday, November the 5th in Columbia, South Carolina at the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. We are celebrating literary excellence. We're celebrating authors and literary excellence. I'm so excited. We're showcasing 100 authors and 20 businesses. Um, if you are listening to this podcast um, prior to um, October 15th, if there are still booths available, I don't imagine that there would be. Um, you can definitely go to our website, relentlesspublishing.com and see if there are. And we would definitely love to have you. So we will be um, arranging our authors according to genre to make sure to make it easier um, for our attendees to shop with all of our authors that are in the same genre that they like. We're going to have story time for our children. It's just going to be an amazing um, community event. It is absolutely free. You can grab your free ticket on Eventbrite and it's just going to be a wonderful event. So authors is a great way to bring visibility and awareness to your author brand, to network and collaborate with other, other authors that you may meet. And you just never know where an event like this will take you. So it definitely gives you access to a wider audience that you wouldn't have access to. And so we definitely invite you to join us. Again, that is Saturday, November the 5th in Columbia, South Carolina at the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. It is going to be from 10 to four. And so I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. It's been several years since we've had a book fair um, in the capital city of South Carolina. And so I'm just so honored to have the opportunity to bring it back and start it all over again. We have a plethora of authors that are in the state of South Carolina and beyond. So, so far we have eight states that are represented and I'm just geeked out about that. Our father's authors coming from Idaho, then we have one coming from New York and all over the East Coast. So we definitely invite you authors to join us in businesses as well and just come out and just have some fun. So we are excited about that and we cannot wait. So again, you guys, as we say at Relentless, it is never too late to get your right on. I'm Shantae Williams, your Get Your Right On host and also owner of Relentless Publishing House, where we help nonfiction writers to self-publish their books. All right, you guys, that's it for today. Until season four, you guys, season four will launch later um, this year. So if you're interested in being interviewed on the podcast, stay tuned, stay connected with us, follow us on all of our social media to find out when we will start taking applications for season four. All right, you guys, we got to get out of here. Have an amazing day.